hand today at some point, probably at the end here, but we're going to get some cards for you to take home, pray over this week. Obviously, in your bulletin today, there was an insert that explains a little bit about Faith Promise and how we support our Faith Promise and support missions around the world. And I want you to take a look at that at your leisure, not so much during the message, (laughs) preferably later today, and begin to pray about what God would have you do uh, as a member of Community Baptist Temple uh, in this area of missions. Now, again, if you're not a member of the church or you're not, you don't attend faithfully, that's fine. Or you're just starting to attend, you just join. Uh, let us know what's going on. If you have questions, we'll let you know. But again, this is an offering, as you well see, that is uh, very needed and necessary in our world today where Jesus Christ is being lost in the mix. And we need him to be at the forefront. And so be praying. And then before you leave, we'll get cards to you. And we're going to give them to everybody so no one, you know, you don't, I don't want one. Or I, No, everybody will get one. You can throw it away later if you want, preferably not on the parking lot. And, uh, and then uh, you can do what you want. But we want you to pray about it because we understand that these are tough times and difficult times. We know that. But we also know we serve a God that's bigger than the difficult times. He does the impossible. And we just want God to get our best. And, and again, there's people around the world depending on us. Americans, uh, they claim, a number of years ago, they claimed Americans possess 94% of the world's wealth. I don't think that's necessarily the case now, but it's still a high, high number. And yet, uh, we really, uh, well, 94% of the missionaries, that's what it was, we, we send out 94% of the missionaries uh, around the world, and yet only 5% are really overseas now. Uh, most missionaries are staying in the States. That's, that's a sad reality. And we're trying to uh, make sure that we're able to fund missionaries and get them over there into other lands. They're needed here in America, don't misunderstand me, but they're also needed around the world. And uh, so be praying about what God would have you do, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to this week in our missions conference. Well, today I want you to take your Bible, turn over to the book of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to begin there, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read the, basically a, a good portion of chapter 1 of Genesis. Oh, there we are. Our creation series is up on the board already. We're ready to go. Now, again, it's not traditional that you would have a creation message on the opening day of your missions conference, but I felt that the creation series is that important and it's been that helpful, I think, to a number of people that I wanted to continue that trend. And secondly, I, I believe that missions just fits with everything anyway. So um, we're going to go ahead and take a look today at uh, this uh, issue of creation again. And again, our topic or our theme or our, our, our title is creation, fact, not theory. So let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God uh, saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. 
And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. The evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be for the lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said... Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Father, we come to you today. We're asking you, Lord, to bless this time. Meet our needs as we go through this information. May our hearts be stirred. May we recognize the reality and the truth of your book, the Word of God. Father, we know that we're in a battle today for truth. Help us to stand on your side, truth. Lord, may we not be deceived May we not be tricked, not be moved from your foundation. Help us, Lord, to remain firm, steadfast, and unmovable. We'll thank you, Lord, as you meet our need today. Lord, if there be any that are lost without Christ, may they, at the opening day of our missions conference, find Christ, even as scores of people around the world need to find him. Well, thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, today, we're going to get right into things. Of course, we talk about the Big Bang. We recognize that evolutionists as a whole, uh, evolutionists believe that it takes millions and millions and millions and millions of years, even billions of years, to accomplish what you now experience every day of your life. On the other hand, we have the believer, or the Bible believer, who believes in a literal creation. Six days. You'll notice that we read about it just now. You'll notice in the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. The evening and the morning were the third day. The evening and the morning were the fourth day. The evening and the morning were the fifth day. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. Why is that important? Because simply this, it did not take God billions of years to create the earth. 
He spoke it into existence literally in six 24-hour days. He put the lights in the firmament for what point? To distinguish between night and day. To, dis- to, to be able to put time in place. Well, guess what? God established time for us. The morning and the evening are the first day. You know why a day is 24 hours long? Because it includes the morning and the evening. God said, I created the first day, the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. I did that in 24-hour periods. We're not going to get into this aspect. We don't believe that God took millions of years, that day one was actually a time period. Day two was really a time period. Day three was a time period. No way. God created it all. So that brings us to something very important. We have to decide whether we believe in evolution that took scores and scores of years, or do we believe that God created in a matter of days? We have to make that decision. Thus the debate continues. It continues then. Is the earth old or is the earth young? Is the earth literally millions and millions and millions of years old? Is it literally billions of years old even, coming forth from a big bang? Or is it simply a very young earth? That's very important. The earth's age. Again, we're trying to determine, is the earth old or young today? And that's important. Because, see, if the earth is extremely, extremely old... We may be tempted to say to ourselves, well, then maybe evolution is true. But if earth isn't quite as old as the evolutionist claims, or if it's significantly less old than they claim, then we really are leaning toward the Bible. Again, evolutionists claim that literally the earth is millions, even billions of years old. Creationists believe, those that believe in a literal creation by God, that the earth isn't nearly as old as the evolutionist claims. On the left, you find a geologic time table. Now, you can't read that. It's way too small. I was going to try to blow it up, but it's impossible on this format. So I did the best I could. But let me just try to explain what you're looking at on the left. Down here are 570 million years. All the way at the top are literally 1 to 7 million years. So on the left, you have a progressively... A shorter period of time. It starts at 1, goes all the way to 570, uh, 570 million. Down here you have different levels, like you have the Cambrian time period, the Ordovician, the uh, Silurian, uh, the Devonian, <laughs> the Mississippian, the Pennsylvanian, those different, um, different time periods or stratus. Then you have these different kinds of fossils that you find in each of those eras of time. You go back 570 years, 70 million years, you're going to find all kind of real uh, basic, very, uh, very basic types of fossil records, if you will, like, uh, you know, nothing like a human, put it that way, nothing close. And then as you go up further, you know, you're going to find that certain animals start to come into play, like we talked about in the past. You know, you got vertebrates, non-vertebrates, you got little fishies climbing out of the water and creating, you know, eventually walking on land. And all of these stages are recognized in these different, um, um, you know, these, these different uh, uh, eras of time. Now, again, it's very complex. You've probably studied it in school. You know a little bit about those geologic timetables or you've heard about them, you've read about them maybe. But what they basically say is this. Since the sediment, sedimentary rock layers are thousands of feet thick in some places, and if present processes are the explanation. Now again, I want you to understand this. What we're saying is, is that sedimentary uh, uh, 
uh, some sediment, sediment fills ultimately through time because you have erosion and you have lakes and rivers carrying it different places and all that stuff. It begins to build up and ultimately turns to rock. That's what they're saying. Well, they're saying, obviously, that takes a long time. Well, they're saying that one foot of, of a rock layer is literally 5,000 years. So when you look at this geological timetable, what you're going to find is, is that we see that certain things happen at certain levels in the past. And then what they're going to find is that they're going to look at rock layers eventually. And they'll say, oh, way down here is 500 million years ago. Look what was around 500 million years ago. And then the next level up, well, that was about 100,000 years later or a million years later. And then a million years and then 10 million and then 20 million and 100 million later. Because it took so many years to build these rock layers up. The geological timetable helps us to understand that, if it's right. But anyway, again, sedimentary rock layers are thousands of feet thick in some places. And if present procedures are the explanation, processes, excuse me, are the explanation, it would have taken millions of years to produce them. Evolutionists, of course, need millions of years, don't they? They need even billions of years for their theory to work. Therefore, the erosion of rocks into sediment transported by water and settling out of water have become the accepted interpretation to account for these rock layers. The geological table is based on this interpretation. So what we're saying is, you look at the geological timetable, and, and, and you, can, you can see that it, it matches with the rock layer. You can almost put different rock layers beside these different time periods. And so you, you go to the Grand Canyon... You look at the rock layers, and as you start going down the rock layers, oh, this represents 1 million to 2 million years. This represents 4 million to 6 million years. This represents 6 million years to 20 million years. This represents, you get where I'm going? That's what this is representing. And the reason they say that is because at the present rate, creating rock, a foot of rock, if you were going to look at the current rate that it takes for settlement to settle, turn into rock a foot thick, it would take 5,000 years. Well, then obviously, if there's thousands and thousands of feet of sediment that turned into rock layers, it obviously, the earth is millions and millions of years old because the present processes dictate that it had to have taken that many years of erosion and supplanting all of that um, sediment in place and then eventually compacting and ultimately turning into rock. I hope that makes sense. I don't know. It's something. But Dr. Wysong... In the creation-evolution controversy, comments about the geological timetable. Here's what he says. First, it is assumed that since life is here, life evolved. You've got to understand, every scientist that's evolutionist scientist, they automatically approach this timetable realizing, and they approach the geology and the earth, simply, it had to take millions of years, so we've got to figure out how it happened. Okay, there's no other solution. So anyway, first it is assumed... That since life is here, life evolved. Then, if life evolved and all nature events are proceeding today, essentially as they have throughout history, that's called uniformity, by the way, everything's still consistent. It, sediment runs down a river. If it, if it runs down, you have, say, 200, you have a million cubic feet of, uh, we'll look at this later, actually, a million cubic feet of sediment that settles at the end of a river opening going into the Gulf of Mexico. If it does that in the course of a year, well, guess what? All you have to do is see how many millions and millions of cubic yards of uh, sediment there are, and you'll be able to date back how old that river is. Because it's consistent. It, it's same, it spews out the same amount of sediment every year, approximately. It's give or take some. 
So they're saying it's uniformity there. He goes on to say, so then again, um, assuming that these natural events are, proceed, uh, are proceeding, that proceed today, essentially uh, have, the, have done so throughout history, uniformity, then the deeper the strata in the earth, the older its age. It follows also that the older the strata, the more primitive or simple assemblage of organisms it should portray. Again, we talked about all that. You got an amoeba way back here. You got a man way up here. In between, there's evolution. So every different stratus, different time periods, you should see that evolution taking place. And then it goes, assuming these truths, fossils are gathered from around the world. However, no complete succession being found in any one place and assembled in a progressive order from simple to complex on a chart. Time is then allotted to the various divisions of the geologic chart on the assumption that the earth is billions of years old. It must be, of course, because evolution would take that long to occur. That's what he said. Now, again, all he's saying is everything continues the way it has. If it takes a hundred years to get a half inch of sediment to settle and turn into rock, then again, it takes that, you can go all the way back for a billion years now and assume that that's exactly how long it took then. So then all you have to do is add up how thick the sediment is or the rocks are, and you can go back and say this is how old it is or how long it took to develop. Again, uniformity, that's what we're talking about. And, and, and that's, that's what the real uniform, uniformitarian approach to geology. That's what we're talking about. Again, here are the levels. You notice these little different creatures along the way. You'll find them in the different stratuses of rock formations. Here we have the Grand Canyon. Notice all those little levels. I mean, you can see levels even like, and it's like cut out. Of course, that took millions and millions of years of erosion. That's what an evolutionist will tell you. Okay, now again, that, that's what we're told. So this took millions of years to create all these sediment levels and even to erode it ultimately took... See that little river down there? It used to be a lot wider. It just started... Right? Millions and millions of years ago, this stuff was formed. This sedimentary rock. And all these little creatures can be found at different levels in that rock. That's how it should work. Does it? You need to understand a fossil now. And I'm going to get to it, okay? It's taking a while, I know. Rock layers now are filled with fossils, okay? Because we got the different levels now, the different stratuses. Each level drops down millions of years. <laughs> get to the bottom down here, dig that deep into rock. That's how many millions of years old it was. What do I find in that rock? I'm going to find fossils in that rock. Now, a fossil... Um, are any remains, impressions, or trace of any animal or plant? See, when you find in or on a rock the imprint of an animal or plant, the bones of an animal, or footprints of an animal or man, you have a fossil. You, you've seen them. Maybe you've run into a few. You know, like a little outline of them. Maybe you know some fossils. But anyway, <laughs> to become fossilized, a plant or animal must usually have hard parts such as bone, shell, or wood. It must be buried quickly to prevent decay and must be undisturbed throughout the long process. That's going to be pretty important. We're going to note that in a second. A fossil, okay? Dinosaur fossils, we all have seen those. You see little fossils of leaves or little creatures and, that are so old and all of that stuff. We, we see that stuff. You've got little fossils on the right there. It's hard to see because it's a long ways from you. Now, 
Is the Earth millions of years old, as evolutionists claim? The geological timetable says that it is. I mean, you look it up in a science book, they'll tell you the Earth is millions and millions of years old. And we can prove it by this geologic timetable. But then again, could it be possible that the Earth is only thousands of years old, as the Bible states? Because that goes against everything you were taught and everything I was taught. You're telling me, preacher, that it's possible that the earth is really not old? That it's, not, that it's maybe thousands of years old? Yeah, let's, let's narrow it down. Let's say maybe ten, max. Maybe even as little as six or seven. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Now again, fossilization. Let's be very clear on this. To become fossilized, we said a plant or an animal must usually have hard parts, such as bone, shell, or wood. And notice it said this, and it's very important you note this, it must be buried quickly to prevent decay. What happens when an animal sits out long enough? Predators come along and eat it. It decays. It's not going to leave a whole lot of, <laughs> a whole lot of fossilization there. You get what I'm saying? It's going to take a while for that to happen, and it's got to be buried quickly to prevent decay. And it needs to be undisturbed throughout the process. So let's talk about how that could happen. How could things be buried quickly? How could we have all of these amazing fossils? How could, I mean, if it took 5,000 years for a foot of sediment to turn to stone and to have a foot of rock, how did things lay that long getting covered with sediment without decaying? How'd that happen? Now again, I'm trying to understand that. And some of you say, well, yeah, but see, you're making too, stuff too simple. Yeah, well, you know what I found a long time ago? If you have to complicate matters to sell your product, you've got a problem. I'm going to tell you something. Creation is so simple because God's involved. God's not complicated. He keeps things simple for a reason because he knows we're not very smart. Now listen, we got great scientists, great minds. But let me tell you something. God never intended that man create science to disprove his reality. He, he created science, in a sense, or permitted it, because it was only to reveal him. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is simple. We're going to talk about some simple truths. But we have a solution to all these problems with the stratus. It appears that we're millions of years, because sediment has built upon itself over the course of millions of years, creating these rock la layers, okay? We understand that. But wait a second. What could have done that without it taking millions of years? Solution. Genesis Flood. Over in the book of Genesis, chapter 7, the Bible simply says, it says, in, in, the sixth, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Now, we understand that God got tired of mankind and it ultimately said, it repented me that I even created him, put him on the earth. He really got upset because they were sinning against him. They had rejected him, turned their back on him. So as a result of that, God says, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. Who did he find? He found Noah. He found Noah, his three sons, and ultimately their three, their three wives. Those ultimately build an ark and there they end up in that ark. God opens up the earth and opens up the heavens and down and up come the water flooding the earth the bible goes on in verse 12 to say and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights have you ever had any water in your basement how much damage does it do yeah it's just a, it's a little bit of water a couple inches of water we're not talking about a couple inches of water folks we're talking about that the the bible tells us that god covered the highest mountains by 15 cubits 
15 cubits is basically 22 feet. That means that the highest mountain range that you can think of in the entire world was covered to at least 22 feet. Now, it's interesting to note that the ark itself was 30 cubits high. Do you know, they have something they call a boat's draft. That means how deep the boat sets down in water. It's usually about half of what the boat is. Now, this boat was constructed extremely different, but let's just assume that it dropped in about half its height. Guess what? The ark was 30. That means it dropped in almost 15. God put those, that water 15 cubits over that mountain. Why? So that the ark didn't come to a screeching halt. That ark floated on top of that water above every single mountain range in the United States and around the world. That water came down from the heavens. That water came up through the earth. You ever, see, you ever hear about an earthquake? Can you imagine what kind of earthquakes took place? What kind of catastrophic change the world took as a result of all this massive water literally covering the globe? Somebody says, I don't even believe in a worldwide flood. That's because you don't believe the Bible. Let me tell you, there is evidence, scientific evidence, that points to a worldwide flood. Just because we don't want to acknowledge the inconsistencies in the so-called geological table, geologic timetable, because we don't want to acknowledge the inconsistency of rock layers and their fossil remains, just because we don't want to acknowledge that doesn't mean it's not true. I'm here to tell you today that we have a good solution to the problems that we find in the geological uh, timetable. And the problem that we find with some of the lack of fossil record, it's called a Genesis flood. In chapter 7, verse 18, the Bible says, And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went up upon the face of the waters. Eventually, it tells us in chapter 7, verse 21, look there if you would please with me, Genesis chapter 7, verse 21. I want you to see what the result was. Genesis chapter 7, verse 21. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. And in whose nostrils was the breath of life and all that was in the land, dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the, the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And the, they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Everything's dying now. Everything's destroyed instantaneously. It's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting to me when you realize that to become fossilized, a plant or animal must usually have hard parts such as bone, shell, or wood. It must be buried quickly to prevent decay and must be undisturbed throughout the long process. It's kind of interesting to me. Genesis flood. In his book, or in the book, Introduction of Geology, the writer frankly admits... There is no place on earth where a complex record of the rocks is present. A complete record, excuse me. A complete record of the rocks is present. You know that geologic timetable had all those different stratuses and it expressed all those different time periods over a course of millions of years? And, and the fossils should line up with those? Guess what? You don't even find the stratus of rocks that you need. As a matter of fact, over here in the Grand Canyon, it's interesting... The Grand Canyon contains the most exposed strata in the world. It has eight periods missing, which represents approximately 345 million years. 
They're just gone. They don't, they're not even there. Well, where's this level of rock? It doesn't exist over there. Even though all those years over here on the, the Grand Canyon are, are being exposed, they don't show all the levels. Now, how's that happen? If the geologic timetable is correct, then all those should show up. That means that at every, there should be levels where different complex creatures or less complex creatures reside. They should find fossils of them. They don't find them because they don't exist there. The fact is, is that, is that the, that geologic timetable is not accurate. That's just the reality of it. How can we explain it again? We explain it through the Genesis flood. Do you realize there are tons of dinosaur bones at the, the Morrison Formation? It's a Morrison Formation. It's a, a place down there in Utah. As a matter of fact, um, it's, it's kind of along the Colorado-Utah Utah border. They claim there are 900,000 pounds of dinosaur bones at that one location. Now, that's amazing to me. We're going to talk about dinosaurs next week. Let's see, no, not next week, but the week after. Not next week, because we got our uh, missions offering next week, but we're going to talk about the week after. But 900,000 pounds of dinosaur bones were found there. Now, again... How in the world do 900,000 pounds of bones, which means that represents a lot of dinosaurs, mind you. How in the world did they all die, happen to lay on top of one another without decaying, without being lost over those millions and millions of years? How'd that happen? Well, I can tell you how it happened. It's called a Genesis flood. I'm talking, about, I'm, I'm talking about they're all washed together in this huge, massive uh, flood that took place. I don't have time to discuss it, but maybe some of you are aware of the Johnstown flood in Pennsylvania. The Johnstown flood took thousands of lives. It moved literally, it moved, it moved uh, um, um, railroad uh, uh, cars and, 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 and locomotives and things miles downriver. Literally just swept them away like nothing. We're talking about one dam and one, uh, one flood. We're not talking about a worldwide flood. But you know what? That's exactly how it worked out. These, uh, 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 all these um, uh, dinosaurs, it appears, did come together at some point, probably trying to stay away from the water. And all of a sudden get swept away in it, and they end up piled on one another, and sediment falls down upon them, and you got a whole world covered with water and sediment going everywhere and plants and everything else going the way it goes and washing it out and doing all the things it does. Man, I'm going to tell you what, it's not hard to explain a bunch of bones piled together, preserved, because they were undisturbed through all those years because they were covered immediately. It only makes sense. You don't just pile up. Again, buried quickly to prevent decay is what we read about fossils. That certainly can be explained by a flood that's worldwide and catastrophic. There's a baleen whale that they found. It's interesting. You know, you got the geologic timetable. Again, it, it, at every level of that rock layer represents a different time frame in history. This is 300 million years. This is 200 million years. This is 100 million years. This is 500 million years. The only problem is they've got these different fossils they're finding that are complete, and yet they somehow stand the wrong way. Instead of laying sideways, they're going straight up through all the different stratuses. Now, how do you figure that one? Can you imagine this thing standing up on its tail for 300 million years while sediment built up around it? That's exactly what would have had have happened according to the geologic timetable. We know that didn't happen. In 1976... In California, again, in this particular quarry, they found a fossilized whale standing on its tail. 
And it was extending literally through millions of years of supposed buildup of microscopic sea creatures called diatoms. That's what's supposed to have happened. Literally millions. They, they believe three million years. Three million years is the, 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 the stratuses would represent if it was they break it down. But this thing happened to be standing straight up and down in it the whole time. How'd that happen? I'll tell you how. A flood. That's how it happened. You can't, you, the evolu- you can't, if you're an evolutionist and you believe what you believe, you cannot explain that. Now, you can try to, but you're not going to get it done. It's too complicated. I'm telling you, God's simple. It's real simple. It's called a Genesis flood, a catastrophe, and it explains that fact. There's another interesting thing that they found. This is called pillow lava. Pillow lava is formed underwater. It is not formed above water. It's formed underwater. Do you know what you're looking at there? You're looking at pillow lava that is formed on top of Mount Ararat. Fourteen to 15,000 feet above sea level. Where'd that pillow lava come from? How'd that happen? Because the world was underwater at one point. Is that hard? No, it's not hard. That's simple and it makes sense. Go ahead and try to explain pillow lava on top of a mountain. It doesn't happen. It does if there's a Genesis flood though. It's also interesting to note, I think this is interesting at least, that biologists believe uh, from, you know, they, they believe that there are as many as five, get this, five million mammoths buried in the northern tundra. That's cold. It's real cold. What do mammoths eat? Vegetation. You don't grow vegetation in the northern tundra. Do you know what we know? Obviously there was tremendous vegetation in the northern tundra at one point. That didn't happen after the flood. That had to be before the flood. Things were different. You're finding mammoths, potentially five million of them buried in a place where they wouldn't even be able to exist. The earth was not the same as it is today before the flood. There was differences. And what the difference was is, is well, we don't want to get into it because we'll talk about dinosaurs here in a few weeks. But the reality is, is that there are things that cannot be explained except there was a worldwide flood. Moon dust. Everybody kept coming to me. Preacher, did you look at moon dust? I'm like, we'll get to it. Did you look at moon dust, preacher? Uh, we'll get to it. Well, we're getting to it. We're going to talk about moon dust for a minute. Again, I don't know about you, but you know, if you don't dust your house, it accumulates, doesn't it? I've been to your homes. No, I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, okay? But it, it accumulates, doesn't it? Now listen. You know, it's the same on earth. There's cosmic dust that comes from the sky. It goes down, ultimately hits the earth. And, and, it, and, and there's a certain rate that it builds up. They've measured that rate. They also know the rate in which it builds on the moon. Builds on the earth, builds on the moon. And here's the thing. It, when, they, when they sent this, they, they were going to go to the moon, right? And, and you know, maybe you're, you're, you're a conspiracy theorist and you don't believe they ever did. I don't know. I can't really say for sure I wasn't there. But it appears that they did go there, okay? They've got pictures at least. You know, we can never, you can never mess with pictures. But anyway, um, nonetheless, they, they're going to go to the moon. So what did they do? They sent probes up there because they were concerned. 
Because the universe is so old, because the earth and the moon are billions of years old, if you'd multiply uh, the amount of dust that should be on the surface as a result of it being undisturbed over the course of all these years, these millions of years, they, they figured that there would be at least 55 feet or more of moon dust. They're very concerned about landing an aircraft or a spaceship along with their, their, their men on that moon, sinking into 55 feet, maybe upwards of 150 feet of moon dust. So they sent a probe up to check it out. You know what they found? They found that there was only about a half inch of moon dust. So they sent a second probe because obviously if you're an evolutionist, that can't be right. It came back with the same exact information. You know what they did? They sent a third one up because they still didn't believe it was only a half inch thick. And they finally landed on the moon. And you know what they found? It was only about a half inch thick. Do you know, do you know how long or how old the moon would probably be? About 8,000 years old. If that rate is consistent. Uniformitarianism. That idea, that approach, says that the moon is only 8,000 years old. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? That's pretty cool. I'm glad you guys told me to check that out. The Mississippi River. The Mississippi River is an interesting thing. Again, uniformitarianism, I'm probably saying that wrong, but that approach says that a certain amount of well, the river, for instance, the Mississippi carries 300 million cubic yards of sediment, dumps it into the Gulf of Mexico over the course of a year. Now, the delta extends 250 feet. It's been estimated that if the earth were only several millions years old, just several million, the sediment would fill the Gulf of Mexico. But it doesn't. See, again, everything should be the same. If it's dumping that much sediment into the Gulf every year, if it was literally millions of years old, as they claim, and things are uniform from the past to the present, then the whole Gulf should be filled with sediment by now. But it's not. Why? Because it's not true. Because there was a flood 4,000 years ago. And you know what? If you figure out the present rate, and you look at its 250 feet... You know how far that goes back? 4,000 years. See, God created a flood, and ultimately, in the end, there was a Mississippi River. And it started dumping that sediment into that gulf. And now, after 4,000 years, there's 250 feet of it in the midst of that gulf. It's called a delta now. Isn't that amazing? God knows what he's doing. You know, an interesting thing, too. Do you know that meteorites are something that we, we, we know, ultimately, they hit the earth. They get to the earth. Scientific literature reveals that there's not a single case of a meteorite found in the geologic timetable or column. It's not there. If the rock layers have been building up for 600 million years, where are the meteorites? Where are they at? They're not there. You know why? Because it hasn't been 600 million years. It's only been 4,000. Therefore, you know where you see them? On the surface and buried just beneath the surface. And, and you see their little mounds, even like this one. That one's still there. I'm just telling you, the earth is not as old as everyone's trying to tell us here. 
God's creation is real. He created the earth. He spoke it into existence. God didn't need billions of years to create what you now experience every day of your life. He didn't need it. So the conclusion is that this earth that we live on is a young earth. There are too many inconsistencies. Listen, somebody that believes the Bible has no problem with science. We have a problem with the interpretation of it. See, the reason why we come up with millions of years is simply because of one reason. We don't believe there's a God. And if we don't believe there's a God, then he certainly, the flood is a joke. But if you would say that there was a flood, and you could base your findings on the reality of a flood, or even base it on the fact that we don't know what it was, what could have caused this inconsistency, what could cause this problem, you know what you'd come to? A flood. You see, I just tried to demonstrate it by spraying him. Flood. It's a visual. It's a flood. That's what you come to the conclusion. That's the conclusion. I just want to encourage you to realize something. You may not be as smart as every scientist in the world, but you don't have to be smart. What you need to be is you need to be confident that your father is. We serve a God who created all things. And he created all of this. This is a young earth that we live on today. The reality is is that God is in heaven today. And that this book that we hold in our hand today is his word. Man, I'm telling you, it has the answers for us. This book, the Bible. Oh, You can go and pick up any science book you choose. But you've got the best science book you've ever held right now in your hand. It's called a Bible. You can say, well, I'm going to need a psychological evaluation here. No, you need to get in the book and figure out what God has to say about you. I'm telling you, we need God today. We need his word. He has the answers. And this world is not as old as we say, or that the the scientists would like us to tell, or the evolutionists would like us to believe. 345 million years ago, this happened, and 500 million ago, this happened, and and look over here, we see this, this fossil over here, and this stratus down here. See, 500 million years ago, this is where we were in the evolutionary process. No. It just happened to get buried there. It got buried there. Isn't it funny that there are all these, these fish fossils on top of mountains? How'd they get there? What, you know, cavemen run around and grab them up when they found them and took them up to the highest mountain and, and sacrificed them again as rocks and buried them in this dirt? No. No, they got there because there was a flood and they ended up on top of something when in reality they should be down below. I'm telling you, it's amazing how we dismiss the simple truths. God's not complicated, it's simple. And you know what? I love serving God because life doesn't have to be complicated. If God did create, and if the flood is true, and I believe it is, what's that say about you and I today? You know, we get up here talking about missions and we talk about a building over there that needs to be completed to reach more of our, our, uh, our, our community and, and the reality of, 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 of Jesus Christ and to bring glory to him. And we talk about that somebody, ah, that's ridiculous. Ah, that, yeah, it's ridiculous if this isn't true. What if this is true? 
I believe it's true. Do you believe it's true? And if you do, then you've got to believe that people are dying and going to hell around the world without Jesus Christ. You've got to believe that mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, that my brother, my sister, my, my, my friends, my family members that are lost are going to die and perish in a place called hell. You've got to believe that. If you believe the Bible's true, if you believe God created, if you believe that, that he went ahead and had a worldwide flood, then everything else in this book is true too. You can't take part of it and leave the rest. I'm just going to encourage you today. Maybe today there's never been a time or a place in your life when you recognize that Jesus Christ died on Calvary, was buried, and rose again to pay for your sin debt. You are a sinner just like me. We're all in the same boat. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want you to know that God has a solution for that problem too. It's not a flood of water. It's a flood of love. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on an old cruel cross. And there he hung for you and he bled for you and he died for you. And he was buried and he rose again the third day. Why? Because he wanted to give you an opportunity to come to him and be saved. And I want you to know today that the same book that tells us that there was a flood, the same book that tells us that one day Jesus Christ is coming back, tells us that he died for me. And one day I'm going to be in heaven, not because I deserve it or I've merited it or I've lived good enough to deserve it. No, I'll get there simply one way through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. No other way. And I'm going to tell you, around this world today, there are young men, young ladies, old men, old ladies, dying and going to hell. We better do something about missions. We better do something about our community. We better do something about reaching people with the gospel. Because that book tells us one day, look if you will in Revelation chapter, chapter 20, please. Here's what it says. Verse 11. And then we're done. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You say, I don't want to believe that there's a God because I don't want to believe in that scenario. You don't have to believe there's a God. It's still true. And I want you to understand something. There's, I'm not afraid of the science. I'm not afraid of it. Are there things I can't answer? Yeah. I had a question today asked of me in, in, in our, our new members class up there. I, I do not have the answer for the question that was asked. I don't have it. And I'm going to be honest enough to say I don't have that answer. I believe it by faith, but I don't have that answer. I can't change it, things. Hey, show me one person that has every answer to every question in this world. Nobody does. So everybody operates by a factor of faith somewhere, somehow. Guess what? I choose to put a faith in a God who I do believe created all things. And enough evidence, in my mind, practically points to him. How in the world can I deny him then? And if I don't deny him, how can I say that a portion of this book is not true? I'm telling you, every one of us are going to stand before God and give an account one day. Everybody, the world over. And I want to encourage you to settle before you make that fine, take that final breath. That it's going to be heaven you'll spend an eternity in. It'll be with a God who loved you enough to die for you on Calvary and shed his blood on your behalf. That you won't be separated forever in a place called that lake of fire. You can settle that. I asked a question just the other night at the Haven of Rest. I said, who in this room 
Who in this room has never, never invited Jesus Christ into life, has never recognized they were a sinner, never called upon the name of the Lord, never trusted Jesus Christ to forgive their sin and to take them to heaven. You've never done that. You've never made that decision. I invited them to make that decision. You can think whatever you want about people, but I'll give them this much. Twelve of them made a decision to settle it. Never done it before, decided to settle it that day. You say, yeah, well, was it real? I don't know. Let me ask you, have you settled it? Are you so smart you'll leave here lost? Are you so rich you'll leave here lost? Are you so well-to-do you'll leave here lost? Are you so comfortable with your present life that you'll leave here without the hope and the surety of, of heaven? Tell me that's wise. Who has the education? Friend, today you need to settle it. Because there is a heaven, there's a hell. There's a God and a creator. We need him today. You need him. I need him. Both for my salvation and for my life. Every day I need him. Father, we come to you.